You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. Welcome to Disability After Dark, the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. With your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to let you know all about a good friend of mine and somebody who I think you should all get to know. If you are somebody who is looking for a companionship, a friendship, or romance, I want to let you know about my inclusive provider friend, Haley Jade. Haley Jade is a 30-year-old disabled bisexual offering online companionship for friends or romance. They have been published in Vice and HuffPost, and they specialize in working with disabled clients and are disabled themselves. Their online services start at $50 Canadian dollars, and they can be found on Twitter at SexyLifeCoach, Instagram at SexyLifeCoach, and you can book them via their website, Haley Jade, that's H-A-Y-L-E-Y-J-A-D-E dot C-H, to book on their website. Just wanted to bring that to your attention. If you're looking for a fun, sexy, romantic companion who specializes in disabled clients, Haley Jade is the one for you. Book them now. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners. Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie, if you want, for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag and you're ready to go, but guess what? 
This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that, that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in Dark Pod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout. And you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off. And then you're going to get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal. And this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners. And I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. Content warning. The language... Content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on... (laughs) I totally forgot what the tagline was. Let's try that again. The podcast shining a bright light on disability stories... I'm, of course, your disabled daddy, Andrew Gerza. I'm your disabled Dick Smith. I'm your number one queer cripple. I'm everything in between. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this show started. Friends, can you believe that we are already on episode 212 right now? Like, what is even happening? How did this show get that far? That's amazing. Plus, with all the bonus things we do, like the handicast and, like, um, all the other ones we've done, we're almost sitting at 300 full episodes. That, I mean, that's pretty cool, and I'm really excited by that, and I just thank you so much for listening, and thank you for loving the show. I got some really awesome reviews the other day about how important and relatable the show is, so thank you, thank you so much for that. And I want to give another big thank you to, to one of our new Patreon supporters today for pledging some money to keep the show going, so let me do that right now. I want to give a sexy, awkward shout-out to Jeremiah Narzarkiewicz, who pledged $5 a month to keep the show going, and that means he gets the show one day early on the Patreon feed, and he gets the show completely ad-free on that Patreon feed, as well as he can email me at disabilityafterdark.com at gmail.com, and let me know if he wants to create a, co-create a show with me. So, that's awesome, and you can do the same thing and get a weird, awkward shout-out for me and Jeremiah. I, my awkward shout-out from you is your name is really cool and has lots of letters that I couldn't almost pronounce. Um, it was less sexy and more awkward was your shout-out, so I hope that's okay, but thank you so much for your pledge. On the show today, I sit down with a new friend who reached out to me a couple of months ago and said, I want to talk to you about my experience being black, trans, and disabled. And I was like, of course, I want to have you on the show because we don't hear enough about 
people going through all those intersections and I, I immediately connected to this person and the more and more I talked with them on this episode I was like I want to become friends with this person and I'm so excited to share a little bit of their story with you so today I sit down with my new friend Malachi Strong who is somebody with CP they live in California he lives in California rather and um, we talk about his experience with CP how he was born Four months premature, which I didn't even... No. Five... Yeah, he was born way, way early. Earlier than me as somebody with CP. We talk about our connection around CP. We talk about what it was like for him needing full care and needing help with attendants to have to think about coming out as trans and all the things he had to consider when he was making those decisions to be his true self. We talk about why his experience being trans has made him the happiest he's ever been, and so much more. This was one of my favorite episodes to share with you. So right now, let me introduce you to my brand new friend, Malachi Strong, right here on Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability story. Malachi Malachi Strong, hello! Uh, you said hello, but I didn't hear you. Hi, how are you? Good. I <laughs> I think the audio is working now. Hi, thank you so much for coming on Disability After Dark. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited that you reached out. You reached out to me a couple months ago, and we're finally sitting down because life is so busy, and I'm finally, so glad we're finally doing it. You let me know that you... um. Found me through Julian Galvino. Galvino. Yes, uh, I've been in contact with Julian for a few months, and uh, I was looking for just uh, people in the disability community to like connect with, and your podcast came up because that's one of the things that I love to do. So, oh nice! I, I just couldn't stop listening. So, um, oh nice! I'm so glad that my little show that you can see like. I'm literally making it in my, no, the audience can't see, but Malachi can see. I'm making it in my bedroom, in my house. Like, there's no big studio production. There's no big, like, team behind me. It's literally me figuring out how to do a podcast and hoping that it works. So I'm really, really glad that you enjoyed the show. Thank you. And I'm so excited to have you because you reached out to me and said, I have a story. I have something I want to share. And so before we get into all that, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and kind of why you're here today. Okay, so I'm Malachi. Um, I am 31. I'm from um, the South uh, in Alabama. And I went to school in the Midwest uh, at Nebraska. And then about two years ago, I moved out to California and I'm kind of just trying to live my best life. Nice. Mm-hmm. I was... I was born in Cali. I was born there, and I love California. I've been back a couple times before the world erupted. I was back, uh, and I love it there. And it's I just I love it there. What part of California are you in? I like the Inland Empire area. Nice. nice. I'm in the I'm in Toronto. That it where where it's getting cold and it'll be snowy in a few weeks. And I'm not I'm not ready for that. I can't. I'm not ready. <laughs> Fun times. So, Malachi, can you tell me a little bit about, t- and tell the audience, um, 
what actually oh i want to do the thing that i'm trying to do on the show that's i'm trying to be more i'm trying to be more vigilant to people that may not be able to that may need a description of what you look like can you describe yourself for the audience um that's no one's ever asked me to do that but uh i think it's weird because i don't like talking about myself but i don't know that that's that's we might have to i could try i I can yeah you go for it all right so i would i would say you are a black trans disabled person who is wearing from what i can see you're wearing a white tank top and you're lying on a big blue fluffy pillow is that is that about right yeah because i spend like 95 percent of my day in bed right now because you know covid <laughs> oh yeah yeah because what else is there to do than just watch tv and hope that covid goes away um we're also recording this on the day that it'll come out a few weeks later but we're recording this on the day that trump just got COVID, and I have to say, you know, I have to say, I don't, I wouldn't normally wish COVID on anyone, but this, when I found out this morning he had COVID, I smiled and cheered. I was, I might have been a little excited. Yeah, I was in my bed, I was in my bed this morning when we got the call that he got COVID, and I literally was like, yes, I was so excited. I, was so excited I feel it. so bad, but it was, it was quite a great night last night because I was just like, oh, this is the guy that, like, doesn't want to do masks, but you know. Yeah, but I just love seeing, like, I'm conflicted because as a disabled person, I'm like, you know, we shouldn't be wishing illness on people because it's it can affect any of us, but this is like, you let 200,000 Americans die in the span of nine months so like you know what i hope you get it and i hope it hurts and i hope like at the very least this is not meant to be a political moment of the podcast but i just want to because malachi said covid i was like oh yeah trump got covid today (laughs) so sorry about that um um so malachi can you tell us a little bit about i'm gonna try to segue out of that my trump feelings uh, Malachi, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your disabilities and how they impact your day-to-day life? So I have a spastic cerebral palsy. Me too. Uh, hey. Gotta love the spasms sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I was born about five months early. So I was about two pounds, eight ounces. Hold on. You were born five months early? Is that? Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard somebody with CP being born Wow. Yeah. So you were born at four months? Yeah. Wow. I don't I seriously have never heard somebody with CP being born that early. Yeah, it's it's insane to think about, you know, and I have um a picture on my social media where I think I was about I don't know, days old and like it's just really weird to look at. That's I didn't know that some I and I just did a I did an episode a few months ago about CP and like the history and I didn't know that somebody could be born. Wow, wow! And you know, I'm trying to say this is in the least ableist way possible, but the fact that you came out as cooked as you did is really because I would have I would have thought somebody that came out like four months five five months early. 
Yeah, five months early. So you, <laughs> my mind is literally like, I don't know how to process what you just like. Wow. <laughs> anyway, that's cool. Um, so how does your CP affect your life? So I, I'm left dominant. So I use my left hand for pretty much everything. Um, and I also, so I can't walk. Um, so I need complete help with like ADLs. Um, however, once I'm in my chair, I'm pretty, um, self-sufficient. Like I can, you know, feed and do all of those things myself as long as they're within like reach. Um, so I kind of fall into the category of being like, uh, disabled but then like not disabled enough because when people hear about like the college degrees and you know all of that and I also like live on my own then like it's like I don't qualify for this service but I need this and so um and I think COVID has really taught me like how awful like services are yeah Mm -hmm. services are services were bad before COVID and now they're just yeah and i've yeah i don't i'm just like we people with disabilities need more help during times like this yeah completely one hundred thousand percent yes yes um there's something you said just now that i want to touch on and i was listening and i was so intently listening to you i forgot exactly what you said you said Mm -hmm. that you know you live on your own and you you don't feel disabled. That's what it was. You don't always feel disabled enough. How for you? Because this varies for everybody. And I've heard other people on this podcast have said this to me a bunch of times about their experiences feeling not disabled enough. What would disabled enough for you look like? You know, I don't really know if it's me wanting to be disabled enough but I feel like society and the the way the system is it's like I fall in the category of like oh well he can do this and he can do that for himself but then I don't qualify for this service because I can't do that you know and so a lot of the services that we have for people with disabilities is set up for you know, seniors or, you know, younger kids, whereas, like, the us in the middle who may be living on our own, want to have a job, want to do these different things, we're just kind of left out to dry because yeah. it's not set up for us. And so, you, yeah, and I've, a lot of people, and people have said that, like, there's so many services for, and you and I know from our experiences being disabled, there's, if we were kids, if we were, like, you know, between five and 15, we could, the world would be open to us, we'd figure it out, no big deal. The minute you become an adult and you say, okay, I want to do this, I need, but I need support. Every system, I think in, at least in, in North America, in my experience, every system says to you, <laughs> you don't need that support. Good luck to you. Best of luck. Bye. Yeah. And it's like, what? Like things didn't change. I just got older, you know? And yeah. It's, it's sad, but it's true. True. So what, what, what has the experience been like for you coming to terms with, I mean, obviously you've had CP since birth. So like that part you understand, but what, what is, I, I have found as somebody with CP and being disabled, my, my understanding of what it means to be disabled has like really shifted as I've become a disabled adult. Did that happen for you? I think for me, um, 
I spent so much time trying to fit in this box that my so that my disability would not be seen um yeah and I I think that you know that even is a huge part of even like me coming out as like trans because I thought so much of like what I was feeling within my body was simply because you know I was disabled and I just didn't like I just eternalized you know it was my I don't like this about myself and like it's because I'm disabled you know and well so you it's almost just correct me if I'm wrong you thought you or you felt that that your feelings about being a trans person were actually just like internalized ableism to the max yeah and it was just things that I didn't like because you know I was disabled and I didn't you know, I I read articles about this UP and I know it because it's all I've ever known. But like, yeah. you know, and I was very active in high school. I did a lot of things, but it was just to cover up. Like, I didn't want people to see me as like this disabled person. So I just tried to be like super active and like I wanted to be a part of this and that. But like, I was really unhappy and I thought like, oh, it's just like because... I have this disability and I'm always going to be limited to this and that and really coming to terms with like it was much much deeper than that and that was just a snippet of who I am like that's been kind of like earth shattering but like in a very good way like I I'm definitely very like happy with how far I come and like the goals and things that I want to do so Like, now I feel like I'm the happiest I've ever been. And, yes, like, being disabled is, like, it sucks some days, a lot of days. Yeah. And, you know, I check off a lot of boxes. And I think think it's really powerful that you say that it sucks a lot of days because I think, and I really appreciate that because I feel, and I know we follow each other on social media, and a lot of my social media is like, you know what, today having CP feels like this. I don't love it today. Like, like. And I feel like it's important that we voice that while we're proud of being disabled and while that's okay, like, we're also allowed to say the days that it's it's shitty. Yeah, and I, you know, I want to give props to you for, you know, sharing those things because when I started to follow you um, before reading, like, some of your tweets, I would feel bad about saying that, you know, oh, like, I just don't like today. Like, today my spasms are, like, really, really hurting, and, like, I just don't feel like doing anything. And I think, you know, you can talk to friends all day and, like, try to, like, you know, feel better, but, you know, especially if they're able-bodied, they just, like, they won't get certain parts of that. And they say, oh, well, like, you know, just be strong. And I'm like, yeah, I know how to do that part, but, like, today is just a really hard day. Yeah, or like I just want a minute to cry and be low and be like I think yeah one of the things in my work that I'm really connecting with more and I don't want to it's this this is not about me it's about you so I'm gonna very quickly say this and then go back to you because you're awesome and I'm just me uh but like you know one of the things one of the things I do in my work is I try to uh I try to you know get in get in talk about the peaks and the awesome stuff that we're doing but also like go to the low stuff and talk about what really feels shitty and bring and give a voice to that because I don't think we do that enough. Yeah, and for me, 
not to really go off on a tangent, but my... Oh, this whole podcast is about tangents, so feel free <laughs> to go right off. My main PCA uh, was diagnosed with COVID, uh, like, early, mid-June. Oh, and wow. And I, you know, she had been the only one that was, like, coming in and out of my apartment, and it was the most, like, frantic thing because, one, like, had I been exposed and, like, I'd been quarantined since March, was which was also the time, it was two weeks after I started, like, medically transitioning. So oh, That's a lot. Like, I, remember yeah. you, I remember you sent that in in your questionnaire and I was like, that is... That's the thing I read that I was like, yep, I want to talk to them immediately. I want to, like, we I have to have them on the show because I was like, whoa. Okay, so let's let's go there for a minute. Let's go to 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 that. What was that? I have so many questions about the transition process because it's something that as a cis as a cis man, I'll never understand. So I'm I'm curious and yeah. uh, feel free to. Educate me as much as you as you're comfortable with, and also tell me to fuck off if I go too far. But um, <laughs> I wanna I wanna learn about as a disabled person who needs help with everything, who needs help with most of their their activities yeah. of daily living. How the fuck do you transition? How do you do that? Well, uh, my PCAs uh, will do my shots for me, so I get a shot, you know, once a week. And it's really weird because I got my first shot like early March and like, you know, the PCAs went with me and like they got all the training on like what to do and like, you know, nurses are telling them all this stuff. And then like two weeks later, my doctor was like, okay, like don't leave the house unless like it's to come here or, you know, like don't go anywhere. They started like mailing all of my medications and like, I I knew transitioning was going to be difficult because, you know, that that's a huge step. Yeah. But what I was not prepared for it was just being like stuck in my apartment and like trying to adjust to like a new hormone and like just kind of freaking out over like the littlest things. And I remember the first week I it made me like really tired. I just like I wanted to sleep all the time. And I'm a person, I don't sleep very much. Um, I personally think that there's a connection between like something with CP and just insomnia at times. Because Yeah, like, you know what? I would agree with you there for sure. Because like my brain just, I try and I turn everything off and like it just doesn't work. So um, I usually do, I, you know, do a lot of work at night just because I'm always up. And so, um, but that week I was just so tired and I remember everybody thought like something was wrong and I was like I think it's just like gotta get used to being in my body and then like around the time he you know the doctor said oh don't go here don't do this I started to kind of adjust to like what was happening but I just remember you know toward the end of March I was like it just feels like the walls are kind of closing in I felt like I had made this decision to like be seen and then I was just sort of stuck you weren't able to nobody could see you because yeah COVID and then I couldn't see, like, my own, like, changes, you know? And so I started to feel like, well, are things happening? Because, 
you know, it's hard to see yourself through your own mirror. And yeah. that's what, you know, I was forced to do. And so I was really hard on myself for the first few months of transitioning. Yeah. Um, simply because not saying that I wanted other people's like validation, but it's just Well, but yeah, I mean yeah, I guess you probably sort of did and who wouldn't? Like like that's yeah, a big you know, step you're making and you mm-hmm. want yeah, and so then I'm like, okay, well, like, is it really happening? Like, are changes really, you know, and people started saying immediately, like, oh, your voice is changing. I was like, oh, that doesn't happen for, like, four or five months. You know, like, I just thought people were telling me that because they couldn't see me, you yeah. know. And so I think for me, like, transitioning and being, like, disabled and being uh, sort of dependent on people, it's really it's not what I expected, but like, it's made me, it's made me a better person because I've had to really focus on like the inside and not put so much on the outside because I'm like, well, you know, people may not be able to see me, but like, what kind of person is going to be under all of this? And I think that I've done more of like an emotional, mental transition rather than like the physical stuff. And I think that that's what makes my journey unique is because so, t- so many times we hear about you know the physical stuff that you don't think about how you know emotions might change or you know just that shift that sort of happens um yeah. on top of like all the like stuff going on in the world at the same time you know I had to come to terms with the fact that I'm you know becoming the thing that like society you know, got a, we've got huge issues going on with, like, you know, the Black community. And, and so that was really hard. And so having to, to really think about all of those different issues and being like, okay, but I just want to be my true self. And so, yeah, it's going to be hard, but everything in my life has been. Like, being disabled, that's just, like, it's, like, just another thing. That's a lot to process. Like, there's so many, like, Things you just said that I'm like, oh, I want to talk about that. Let's talk. About, like, there, there, there's so many mm. things to process there. Mm-hmm. When you start, when you like, because we you talked a minute ago about how you thought initially your feelings of wanting to transition were related to your CP and your disability. At what point were you like, nope, this is for sure who I am? I think it was something that um, I have always known, but I think that I. I wanted it to be the disability because, like, that was easier. And I think I hit about, it probably started for me when I was about, like, seven, and then I kind of went through these periods where, you know, growing up in the South, it's very conservative, and, like, you gotta, you know, it's just, it just wasn't the time or the place. And I even went through a period where I was like, okay, well, maybe it's just, um, I just like dressing like a guy. So maybe it's more of like, I'm just a lesbian. Like I went through all of those things. And even though like that was even frowned upon being in the South, I was like, okay, I, that, you know, that I can deal with, you know? And then um, when I left the South and I, went to Nebraska and I went to school out there I started because I was on my own and I didn't have you know 
it was the first time it wasn't family taking care of me and like yeah. you know um I got used to just having like my own style and doing like what I wanted and I think at that moment I started to realize that like there were certain things I could be in control of and then um even then in Nebraska, it was just, I, I had, you know, it was the first time I had been on my own. I was trying to navigate, like, just being an adult and, and like, you know, being disabled and having to worry about your own caregivers and, you know, taking care of your own apartment and doing all those kind of things. And then when I moved out here uh, to California, it just, I um, I just hit a moment where I was just like, why am I denying myself like true happiness? Because everything in my life, like it's just been hard. Like that's just kind of like the motto of my life. Like there's being disabled is not easy. You know, being black is not easy. And so like, why, why am I letting this one thing, you know, hold me back from like reaching my true potential? And I think that that was literally, I don't know if there was necessarily a moment, but it was just kind of a thought where I was just like, I deserve happiness like everyone else. And it's probably going to cost me everything. But like, I I have to go for it. Wow. That's, I mean, I know how we feel about the word inspiring in the community sometimes. I know. And I'm, <laughs> so I'm going to very carefully say this to you. From one disabled person to another, I feel, I felt inspired by that because it is so hard for us to find our joy as disabled people and i'm i can only imagine for you as a as a black disabled person in this climate finding joy is hard right now because of all the shit that we're putting on black people and then black people who are disabled and all the ways that our systems are denying you shit so i'm really and I know how we feel about this word too. I'm really proud <laughs> for you that you found your own. You were like, "Fuck it, this is who I am. This is what I want. I'm going to go for this." Like that's a big step. So, so all of the claps and snaps to you. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. And you know, you just mentioned about what it's. You know, when you were saying, you know, being the black and disabled. Um, actually, uh, on Tuesday. Uh, I had walked to the park and uh, I don't know if you saw that Instagram post but uh, walked to this park and this lady she walked up to me and she goes how old are you like uh, why are you out here by yourself like what's your name I need your ID and like literally was just like no asking me all of these <laughs> like i'm just going to the park like a regular person like leave me alone you know? yeah like i'm just at the park please please, please. <laughs> yeah and then she you know i'm gonna like maybe i should call the police because we need to find your mom and i'm like oh, oh no was this okay was this a white lady doing this to you? <laughs> Yeah, this is a Karen. It was literally a Karen. <laughs> so I was just oh like, no! Oh no! So no. yeah, it's. But you know, after being quarantined and not really going out of my my apartment for so long, and then just getting out for a second to go to the park, I was like, "Yeah, the world's a lot different now." You know, and that was that moment where I was just like, "I'm a black man in America," and it just got real. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm sorry you had a Karen moment. They're everywhere. Uh, they suck. I'm sorry about that. For you, mm-hmm. really, I truly am. I wanted to ask you a little bit about being a black man in America. Now that you, now that you are a black man in America, like, do you feel? Because I know with me as a disabled person and a disabled man, I feel like my masculinity has had to shift and be shaped differently by the fact that I'm sitting down and the fact that I'm a wheelchair user and all that stuff. Do you feel like your masculinity has had to be different in a, in a way than, say, the, the, a non-disabled person? I think so. And I think I've thought a lot about um, feeling not masculine enough because, you know, I, I do need help. And, you know, there, there are certain things that PCAs have to do for me. And I'm like, okay, that just... You know, I feel like, you know, a little, a little like emasculated there. But um, I think one of the mind frames that I've tried to bring myself to is just knowing that like I can define that, and there are certain ways, you know, like that I can still be masculine and be who I am, but it doesn't have to fit like society's definition of it. Yeah. You know, and I think it it would be hard even if, like, you know, it wasn't the trans and it's just just being disabled and and, and the masculinity is very, that's hard, you know, especially if you have PCAs and they're helping you do, like, you know, just things that people take for granted. Like bathroom care, yeah. Yeah, because people take that for granted. They're just like... You know, they don't think about how easy it's just for, like, an able-bodied person to, like, get up and go to the bathroom, you know? Oh, my God. It's the one, it's, like, the two things in my life that I wish that I could do. Everything else I'd live with, it'd be fine, no big deal. But, like, if I could just go pee by myself for a (laughs) minute, it would change the game. Yeah, and, like, I, you know, I have, like, um, a catheter where I can, like, self-cast. But still, like jealous of you, but that's awesome. But also, I'm so jealous right now. Oh my god! <laughs> but also, like it comes with the things because, like you know, they have to help you like clean it and like you know, so you kind of feel you, you know, it's kind of a moment where you're like, yeah, that was independent, but I still have to like, you know, let someone else finish that. And so yeah. it just sort of sometimes it just feels like we do a lot of tasks that are just unfinished because we can only do it to a certain point yeah and so then it feels like need... independence is such a it's a two-step process for a lot of us yeah it's yeah. like yeah i'm independent to get like part a done and then i need someone to do like part b and then i can go back and do part c so it's just it's hard to feel i think accomplished in some ways because it can be so broken up if that makes sense oh it totally does completely um, I wanted to ask you also about what did I want to ask? There was something I had in my head right now that I was like, I want to ask Malachi this. It was about um, oh yeah, your PCAs. When I was coming out as queer to my PCAs and explaining to some of them that I liked the dudes, they were freaking out. Some of them. Did you ever feel that you kind of have explaining your identities to? your PCAs was going to result in a loss of care for you? Yeah, and honestly, I'm kind of facing that right now. Um, I, oh, no! 
I actually need more help and it's very hard. Um, I've reached out to a few companies and I we've tried to get, but like the minute they like, you know, sort of read like my case and sort of, you know, things that I need and, you know, I have to reveal some of it because it's related to my body and I'm like, you know, yeah. you don't want to, but I mean, I, I have to. And I think that it was probably, it's probably the, the hardest thing for me because while I've chosen my happiness and I really, and the, and the happiest I've ever been, uh, it's coming at a cost of like, you have to settle for, whatever you can get in terms of care and sometimes it might not be how you want it or you know even the people you want but like you know and so I definitely have moments where I'm like you know did I make the right decision because now I have to pay for it in a more personal way you know and so um, it's definitely hard because I'm like you know, you want to be your authentic self, but then at the same time, you're like, okay, maybe I just, like, leave that out or, you know, don't reveal that part. But then I'm also the one that has a giant, like, rainbow flag on my wall. So, <laughs> good for you. Um, that's really hard, though, because I think, yeah, I think when you deal with care, there's so much, so many parts of who you are that you have to even if they're the greatest attendant in the whole world and they love you and they care about you and they're there for you, there are still parts of that experience when the caregiver is in your home, you have to compartmentalize yourself. You have to hide yeah. it away. And I don't know what it is. It's just like the minute they're in your home, it's no longer just your home anymore. It's also their workplace. Yeah. So you learn very quickly, at least in my experience, to... to stop talking about certain things and you like shut down part of yourself and like yeah. if i wanted I've to had have... a couple in the past that you know will say like oh you just get like super quiet when i'm here you don't say very much like are you angry and it's like no i'm just like processing because i don't think they realize like what it's like to have someone else like in your space and like it is their workspace yeah so it's a a juggle between you know, trying to be that boss because technically that's what yeah. We technically, are. you're their boss, but yeah. at the same time, you're not really. Like it's so it's such a weird. It is such a weird feeling as somebody who receives care. I know exactly how that feels. So I I feel you around that for sure. Yeah, and I think for me, that's what I've had to come to terms with is like, you know, you are the boss, but then you aren't, and then like you ask. You know, you go to the state and you're like, well, who signs this? And they're like, no, you're the boss. And I'm like, but not really. You know, so it's it's a challenge. Yeah, and I think, too, in terms of that care structure you have where, like, you're the boss, it's weird because in much of our lives coming up to being adults and growing up as people with complex disabilities that required help, we were never the boss. We were we followed along because it was nope. easier. And you so, never had to say so. So now yeah. they're like... You make all the decisions, and you're like, wait, I don't know how to do that. And you're like, for yeah, you're like, I don't know how to do, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Like, there are moments, even in my care as a 36 year old man, where like somebody will ask me how to cook a thing, and I'll be like, I have no, <laughs> I have no clue how to do that because I've never had, I've never had to do that. I've never yeah. been. That was never part of what I was supposed to do. What? <laughs> so like, I get that. Yeah, because like you know, I. 
you know, I've had that with the food, like, I don't want certain things. And I'm like, can you make this? And they're like, well, do you know how to make it? I'm like, no, I've no. never, like, done the whole kitchen yeah. thing. I just go Google it, you know, I don't know. But it's, it's always kind of an interesting thing because they're always looking at me and I'm looking at them like, yeah, I, don't, I have no clue. And you're like, where is somebody who can tell me what to do right now? Because I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I get it. 100%. Yep, so that's, that's me. Um, tell me a little bit more about your experience being kind of Black, trans, and queer. Like, what is something that, that you're discovering throughout this journey for yourself that somebody listening might be like, oh, I never, I never considered that? I think the biggest lesson I've learned, and I I think I touched on it like a little bit earlier, is that while transitioning for some people can be physical, um, because not everybody, you know, chooses to go medically, um, a lot of it is just so emotional and mental. And coming to terms with being not only Black, and like disabled and trans and then like queer it's just like okay you literally check all the boxes how are you going like what's the balance and but it affects so many different parts of your life uh for me it's you know the trans part is suddenly a huge part of like the care and then you know being a black person and it's like oh crap like I have to be very careful when you know I go out in the community to the park because you might get Karen by Karen at the park yeah like I you know and then like I have to be careful when you know certain things come up about the disability and like you know trying to get ready for you know like surgeries and you know just thinking about like it, it all plays a part and I think the biggest thing I've learned is like all of those things could be happening physically, but, like, if you don't find a way to center yourself, like, mentally and emotionally, like, it will about drive you insane, because there are days when it all just, like, seems to be falling apart, and I think that COVID and all of those things has really forced me to work on, like, my own mental health, and knowing what I need, and knowing um, how to, you know, really say, okay, I need to take care of myself today. And I think before transitioning and before COVID, like, I didn't know how to really do that. And I think that this experience has taught me, like, yeah, all these changes can be happening, but are you mentally and emotionally, like, prepared for them? And, like, how are you going to deal with, like, you know, when you see, like, the first facial hair, or, you know, like, how are you going to react to these things? How did you feel when you saw the first facial hair? You know, I think I was just really silent. I think a PCA noticed it before I did, and, like, they were, like, super excited, and I just kind of sat there and was froze for a second, and then, like, later, I think it kind of, like, I had to take a moment to process it, and now it's it's a little, I'm still learning how to, like, take care of it when I'm supposed to be doing so it's a lot of like yeah this is all new and that's cool do you like and I know with with physical disabilities having a a physical standard for your body is you know it's all arbitrary and ridiculous but like do you Mm -hmm. do you feel a pressure now 
as a as a black man to be to fit this aesthetic now do you feel pressure to do that or do you are you just like whatever i'm gonna be myself and be happy i think to a certain extent um i don't know if it's necessarily like pressure or if it's like fear just with like everything going on yeah that, uh, i kind of kind of go between both like I have moments where I'm like okay I need to be this way and then I have moments where I'm like I'm just gonna be me so I think it changes and I think that really I would attribute that a lot to like what's going on in society I think you know and I've gotten to the point where I just can't look at the news because I think that it just makes it makes me feel worse and then that's when I get in the moment of like Oh, I have to be this way because I don't know, you know, it's almost like that fear of like, okay, when I go outside today, like, am I going to have like another caring situation where it goes worse next time, you know, and it's sad to live that way. But like, also, I'm choosing not to live in fear. So it's just being myself. Good for you. That's a, that's a hard path to choosing, choosing not to live in fear in this day and age period is hard but then with the added things in your life that that the majority have the majority want to tear you down about the fact that you're choosing to just be happy is commendable to so many different in so many different ways and like thank you for just doing that Uh, i'm doing my best i don't i don't know if i'm doing a great job but you know uh my hope is that you know, if anyone's like listening or or anything that and can take anything from me, it's just knowing that, you know, I I was telling someone the other day, I said, you know, it's hard to live on a fixed income in like Southern California, you know, and trying to be like your own like boss as far as care and being so dependent on, you know, systems and state programs but like my peace of mind and the happiness is like I would rather be broke in all the other areas and have my peace of mind because so much of like growing up with a disability you just get upset and we were you know we had this eternalized ableism that like you know we just needed to like accept what it was and I think now I've just grown to the point where I'm like, yeah, it's, the, there are parts that I can't change, but like I can choose to work on myself and be happy and have my peace of mind. And like, people are going to judge me anyway. So just live my best disabled life and keep going. Well, that's really, I really love that sentiment. I think it's really, that's really powerful. Um, that's just like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not even going to segue out of that because it was so good. I'm just going to move right on to my next question. But thank you for that. Um, I want to ask you about what is one thing, and you talked a little bit about the emotional, like the emotional changes in transitioning, which I think is really cool because not a lot of people have talked about that. So thank you. But I want to ask you, as somebody who's physically disabled, who needs a lot of help, who is tra- who's you know transitioning and doing all this, what is something that a non-disabled person who's transitioning might not understand 
that you you're having to go through? Um, the first thing that comes to mind for me would be like binding. Um, that is the most difficult thing, and it's like because you know I do there. You know, my upper body isn't as strong, so trying to get into a binder and, you know, trying to find the right size because your measurements are going to be off because you're not, you know, standing up and you can't get exact. And these binders, the way that they're made, you know, you have to be just about as exact as possible. And so dealing with, like, the body dysphoria from that and the, like, getting mad at your disability because it's like the reason that you can't use this one thing to like make it better um and that was one of the things that kind of pushed me to go ahead and ask for like uh top surgery is because I don't think like binder companies and and people think about like people that sit down all the time needing I didn't the minute you said it I was like Oh, yeah, of course that's an issue. So, I, I mean, they probably don't. So thank you for bringing that forward because I didn't know about it. I didn't think about it until right now. Yeah, it's. I've gone through plenty. Um, it seems like every every month or so I'm having to, like, you know, find a new one because it either doesn't fit anymore or, like, there's just something going on. Uh, and then, like, you know, having a PCA, like, trying to put it on you, and then they're sweating. Like, it's a whole, it's a whole process. <laughs> I can just visualize, like, yeah, your your PCAs, like, freaking out, and you're trying to stay calm and be the boss and direct it, but you're like, oh, fuck, this is happening. Yeah, so I'm just like, I do I really want to wear it today? You know what? No, just, no. Yeah. So are you looking into more, seriously, like, top surgery at some point? Um, I just got approved uh, early August, so I will go see a surgeon in a couple weeks, and that'll be kind of exciting. I'm a little nervous because now I got to think about, like, okay, have you ever, like, you know, worked on someone with a disability? It's all those kind of questions, but it'll be it'll be interesting. That's really cool, and I would love to to stay informed, and if, if like, if you need you know, a GoFundMe to help with costs and things, because I know those things, those surgeries are not cheap. So, like... If- yeah, I, um... So, my insurance will, like, cover the surgery, but I'm sure there'll be things I'll need, like, after. Um, because I did just go through when the PCA was out with COVID. I was actually paying for care out of pocket, and that was the most traumatized. Like, that was hard. Everybody um, listening... Send me some dollars so I can send the dollars to Malachi so that he doesn't have to pay for his care anymore. Cause yeah, you know, and hopefully we don't have to go back to that. But it was crazy because I think another thing people don't think about is when you have new people, you have time to adjust to them. But with COVID, like I just had to go with what was happening, you know. Yeah, you just and had so to take like whoever was there and nobody. I didn't want that. I was afraid for some of them to go grocery shopping because I didn't know them that well and so then I was like doing Instacart well you know they don't take assistance so that's like out of pocket it was just so many different things happening at once and I'm like this is too much you know so yeah um, 
it's just, I just had a spasm off screen. <laughs> Nobody could see, but I had the largest spasm in the whole world as Malachi was talking, and I just about shoved the mic in my face. I was like, oh, I didn't know when to like stop for a No, second. I had a spasm because I think, I think you, you're like, your mic thing, I think it's connected to, to whatever it's connected to, so it makes a little ch- and it made, really loud, it made a really loud noise in oh. my ear holes. So, yeah, we're not going to cut that out because that's the joy of trying to record a podcast and you have to see <laughs> spasms happen, people. They're real and they're funny and they're hilarious. Yeah, I jumped a couple of times, so I'm joining you over there. I'm joining. Awesome, awesome. Good, good. Um, so you were saying, so, like, yeah, you had to pay for care out of pocket and you were, like, a lot of yeah. things were piling up. Yeah, and so, like, it's just been fun, like, COVID times. But I'm super excited about the surgery. I think that, you know, um, I'm going to be very kind of picky about what I want because, you know, when have you ever known, like, disabled people that have, like, choices and, you know. Yeah, and this is, like, this is, like, a new you. This is, like, you coming into you, so you should fucking take your time with it and figure out what you want. Yeah, I'm not going to just going to go with, like, you know, what they say. So we'll see. It's not a like, half you know, job. It's your it's your like chest. So like, take yeah. your time with it. Yes, please. <laughs> yes. So I'll definitely keep you posted about that. So is there like? It. Is there like? This is a totally. This is a question I never thought I would ask anybody. But here we go. Is there like a nipple type that you're like? I think I want to. You like know, that. I think I want like tattoos because yeah. uh, I think that like. You know, all the the things that could happen with, like, nipple sensation. I'm like, yeah, just, like, get rid of it. I can get tattoos. It'll be fine. I love tattoos, so, and I've been, Oh, like, you want to get, you want to, wait, you want them to get rid of your nipples, and you want to tattoo your nipples? Yeah, I think I want to do the 3D tattooed nipples. I didn't know that was a thing people did. That's cool. All right. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, so I think that's what we're going to do. We'll see. That, that's really cool. I support all of that. All of that. Yeah, that's um, going to be expensive, though. But, you know, I deserve it. So when you're ready for the GoFundMe, hit me up. And I'll put it <laughs> on my pages. We'll figure it out. It's all right. <laughs> I, I remember. I remember good, that. Good. I'll, help you get, I'll help you spread the word. We'll call it, like, we'll call it Malachi's Crypt Nip Slip or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll make a really funny name of it. We'll figure it out. Um, what else did I want to ask you? I wanted to ask you about, so we've kind of touched on this already. But I'm kind of going to move to the second part of this question. So are there parts of your disabled trans body at this point that you're like in love with? You're like, yeah, I love, I love this part of my body now. Or not even that you're fully in love with yet, but maybe like that you're getting to, to know a little bit? I think for me, um, I'm really starting to like how my face is shaping. Um, I, there's still parts I don't like about it. But I think that was the first, like, thing that I was able to look in the mirror and just be like, okay, like, changes are happening. And, like, I was the one that was like, things aren't happening. But I looked at a picture from, like, six months ago, and I was like, holy crap, like, what happened, you know? And so, um, because I I wasn't really one that liked my smile ever, and I I think now, oh I love your smile I think it's so nice I think it's very mm-hmm. and you know you said no one ever flirted with you so I'm gonna do it for you right now we talked about this on the on the questionnaire and so I said <laughs> I'm going to both embarrass you and with consent flirt with you um 
I'm going to tell you that I think you're very handsome. Thank you. You know, people have been saying that a lot lately, and I'm like, that, that, it was hard to take it at first, but kind of makes me feel good, so I appreciate that. No, I think, you're, I think you're a very handsome man. I think you're very handsome. Thank you. I appreciate that. You I'd hang too. out with you if we live closer. I'll have to come visit. You don't want to come in the cold. COVID, after COVID times, though. So in 2027, <laughs> when it's safe to fly again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, we can, we can play it. All right, all right, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and are there parts, of, and you kind of, are there parts of your disabled body and your trans body that you don't love right now? That you're like, oh, I wish that this would just not be a thing. I think, uh, I think it's honestly my chest because like the whole binding thing and not being able to figure that out and feel comfortable to just like go anywhere right now. Like I have a doctor's appointment in a couple of weeks and I'm like, what do I wear? Cause like, I don't want to go outside, you know, like, you know, and it's kind of one of those things where I'm just like, okay, I wish this wasn't. And I know I'm working on that and I know that'll, that'll, eventually go away but I think just trying to be patient and knowing that that part of me doesn't make the entire transition has been something that I've had to really remind myself of because I there are moments where I also feel like I'm not passing so um, and I have to remind myself okay it's only been like eight months like you know chill and also also you don't have to pass like you can be yeah and I think that before transitioning like at the very beginning of my transition I was very much like I'm not passing like this isn't gonna work and I think over time I've had to just sort of learn that like I don't need to I'm just being who I am and like okay like you know what what is passing you know I think and that's why I think that I've just grown because at first I had all of these things that I wanted and now I'm just like I'm just being myself. So why am I trying to like? Why are you trying to like? And I feel also a lot of the trans men, and I'm not trying to shame anybody or say anything, but I feel like a lot of the things we see about trans men in the media right now are really hyper masculine and hyper bodied and like super muscular and super like gym bodied people. And that's not for everybody, but a lot of a lot of the popular media will highlight those types of trans men and I feel like while that's important to highlight that community obviously it's also kind of troubling that we're still we're still stuck in like binary very coded views on masculinity and it makes people who can't adhere to that very specific aesthetic who are trans who may be trans masculine probably feel a little bit like oh I'm there's still no place for me yeah and and it's it's uh funny that you would say that because one of the other things when I started like when I decided to medical transition I was like I'm gonna go to the gym and like work out and like because I do like weightlifting and things like that and I used to do that when I lived you know down south but with COVID times you know that that's not really possible and I started to feel like you know maybe I'm not doing like the masculine thing right because I'm not able to go to the gym and so and it and it was at that moment I was like but you know I don't have to be like this muscular guy to just be myself 
And no, I think, you don't. You know, like you were saying, but that's that's what we mainly see. So. And I feel like, and that's why I loved how, like, that's why in, during this whole conversation, you've said like, because I've asked you a couple times about the physical transition and you've gone back to, well, there's more than just the physical transition. There's the emotional transition. And so like, that's why I really, I really gravitated to that because typically other trans masculine people that I've talked to on the show and they're all great and I love their journeys and it's, it's good for them, whatever they choose, but you know, they fit a certain aesthetic or they, they're working towards a certain aesthetic and like, because of your disabilities, you can't do that. And so I like that you've focused and reframed your transition to not only be about the physical, but also how do you feel on the inside? And I think that's really important to highlight again. Yeah, and and I think that, you know, it took, I started to really notice my own growth when just like my thinking was changing or like how, you know, there's no way I could have gone through like losing my PCA that I had for over a year, you know, to COVID for two months, you know, six months ago. I feel like because I'm more of like, I'm more myself and I've been able to really work on like emotions and like the mental part, uh, it's just kind of made me a better all-around person. And you can have all these changes in the world, and like, but if you're just like not that great like on the inside it doesn't really do anything yeah yeah totally and so I really appreciate that you you know you brought forward that transitioning is not just a physical thing and it's not just turning your body into a quote-unquote man it's about how do you feel on the inside so thank you for sharing that um I wanted to ask a question that I didn't write down but I wanted to ask you if you could give advice to another disabled person who's to who feels in their body that they're trans and that they want to transition and they want to start doing this. What would you say to them? The biggest piece um, of advice I think I would give is work on like creating a support system if you can that will support that. Uh, for me, uh, I because you're where you know growing up being like disabled and not really having choices or say so um i kind of put myself off to be really really shy and i didn't really want to ask for what i wanted and i was almost afraid to say what i wanted and i was able to uh not only like do research but just Put, find ways to put people in my life that might have a little bit of understanding. And I think that that kind of, I don't want to say pushed me, but it made me feel comfortable enough to know that like I could step out and go do what I need to do and not know that I was just going to fall on my own. And I think so many times uh, people with disabilities, we, we're afraid to find support or you know it's like oftentimes support is often chosen for us too um, yeah you know. I mean I live in that situation so I know exactly what they're yeah you, you know don't get, you're like, you don't get a choice yeah. you know if you decide to go see a therapist you're gonna see like who insurance chooses yeah and you know you're just stuck with that because it's like oh well you know it's free so just be glad that you can do this 
And one of the decisions I made is I chose a therapist that I actually pay out of pocket because I feel like that gave me more control over choosing my own like mental health and putting my own goals first. And no one's going to choose the like therapeutic relationship that I have because it's not going to work. When people choose things for you, it's harder to genuinely like mean it and want it because it was chosen for you. And, and I think, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying I think that like that's probably the biggest thing is just like finding support that you're like making your own support in whatever way that is. And I know like today a lot more of it is like virtual. But that makes a huge difference because once you have that support in place, you know that you can go out and do whatever you need to do and things might fall apart and things might get really hard. But if you have that system, you always know you have something to fall back on. Yeah, I think that's true. And I feel like I feel like that's in having a support system in whatever experience you have with disabilities, it's hard to find, but when you have it, it's great. Um, I wanted to ask you about about dating as a trans man with disabilities. Do you? And I'm sure you haven't done a lot of this yet because COVID. But when it's time to start doing that, are you are you? Do you have any apprehensions or concerns about how how dating will be? A little bit, um, but I am like getting to know someone currently. Sorry, bathrooms are fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry if I caused that one again. Second spasm of the show. It's all right. It's good. It's good. No worries. So, sorry. <laughs> Start again? Yeah. So, I, uh, I'm actually getting to know someone, and it's been really interesting because they uh, kind of noticed me, like, very early in my transition, and uh, I would like it wasn't really something that I was looking for. And so I think that it's really weird because I think in the very beginning when I decided to like transition, you start thinking about all these things like dating and relationships and that sort of thing. And it's like, um, you know, never mind like just the trans part, just like the disabled part, you know, like, oh, I I really want to experience this. And I think COVID again it's just making everything unique and people are having to you know things are a little bit quote unquote like accessible because everybody's kind of in the same thing right now you use zoom or whatever it is and i think it opens the door for more like opportunities um i'm very interested to see what life will look like you know whenever covid decides to like Go away, if ever. In 2045, when it's safe to be a human again. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get it. Because, like, you know, it's... But I think that I... What I've tried to remind myself is that, you know, right now I just, you know, I won't focus on it. And when that time comes, like, I'm going to be a better person because I spent all this time, like, focusing on the things I can work on, you know, so... Yeah. Um, I'm definitely excited, maybe a little nervous, but we'll we'll see. I feel like when people listen to this and they see kind of what a cool person you are, you'll have people knocking down your door. 
so <laughs> so anyone listening to this who's like, oh, Malachi sounds cool. And if you're in the California area, <laughs> hit him up and have a chat over Zoom. Uh, <laughs> Malachi, this is such a fun interview. I had so I had so much fun sitting down with you today. I know. I'm so excited we got to do this. I, I was a little nervous. I was like, I don't know. It's like... Oh, I hope you're not nervous anymore. I hope you're like... No, we're buddies. So now you're going to like follow me, right? I don't follow you? No. Oh, no. I'm sorry that I don't. I thought I did. I will. I will. I will do it right now. As soon as we're not talking, I'll follow you. I'm an asshole. Sorry about that. I'll fix it. Um, Yes, I will follow you right now. Um... But I, how do the people get a hold of you? How can they follow your work? How can they get a hold of you? Um, so I am working on a website, but I I would like to find a designer because like I just mentally like don't have I just don't have it in me, and I'm just like you know I don't have a lot of money, but that's something I have everything that I want. I just need someone to design it. I know I have ideas, but I'm not really good at that whole part. I know um, some people. I know some. I can. I can put some feelers out for you. I know some people. Oh, I appreciate that. I need that because, like, that's something that I've been trying to do. That's what my goal was, you know, since about April, and yeah, it just kept falling through. I like paid someone, and then like, yeah, they basically just took my money and like. Oh no! Didn't. Did, okay, so finish. I know there are digital content creators listening to this shit right now. So <laughs> you can email me at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and I will connect you to Malachi and don't but, steal money and make him a nice website. <laughs> but I am, um, you can find me on Instagram at Mr. Underscore Strong and then Wield, but it's spelled like W H E E L E D. Um, and I'm I was the dork that didn't follow you, so I'm gonna follow you right this second after what I'm talking. But <laughs> this was I had so much fun sitting out with you today. Thank you so much for all you do and for being so vulnerable today. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Anytime. This was great. Uh Malachi Strong, I'm sure you and I will be will talk much more after I hit off. But thank you so much for coming on Disability After Dark today and we'll talk to you so soon. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, friends. This has been another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza, your number one queer cripple and your disabled Dick Smith. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on all social media at It's Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at DisAftDarkPod. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. We'd love to have you as a guest so you can shine a bright light on your disability story. If you want to support the show and get the show one day early along with ad-free versions of the show and a cool shout-out, you can head over to patreon.com slash disability after dark thanks so much for listening to the podcast shining a bright light on disability story we'll see you next time bye copyright notice 
Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Music was by Music by Space Robot Scientists. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music recordings, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Notice 2020